And welcome to the latest episode of Nerds Amalgamated. With me this week, I have the DJ. How you hey going? guys. Not too bad. Another fun day. Yeah. And also with us this week, we have the professor. Hello. How are you going? Um, all right. Such enthusiasm. Yeah, I'm not really <laughs> enthusiastic at the moment because I'm worried that if I breathe wrong on my computer, it will decide to stop working again. I oh. Because I was playing up over the weekend, so I thought, okay, I'll spend a couple of evenings stress testing <laughs> it. Not a single problem until five minutes before we start recording. Ah, uh, well, it must, must just be the stress of being in my um, brilliant presence. <laughs> you can't handle it. That's it. Talking about um, stress, stress testing and so forth, first topic up this week is the stress of funding. It is. That's um, a sort of general title I've come up with for the theme for this week, which continuing in the sort of series I'm doing on game development, mm-hmm. um, I thought I'd talk a bit about where people are getting their funding from for game development, because uh, last week I had the article about how most game developers make less than minimum wage. Mm-hmm. So this week, uh, the first point I've got here is a tweet from uh, Jason Schreier from Kotaku, I think. Yep. So he's uh, tweeted out saying that he's talked to two indie devs who have made deals with Epic that apparently the deal has made sure that they will break even no matter how many copies they sell. And he's in favor of that because it's stability in an un- unstable field. It's got, yeah, it's got, like, at least someone's actually trying to do the right thing by people and yeah. improve the marketplace. Yes, that uh, comes along with um, the Phoenix Point developers who reported to their investors um, back in April that they'd made a 191% return from going exclusive. So okay. before the games even come out, they've almost doubled the um, their investment into developing it. Awesome. Um, yeah, we'll have to make sure we've got links to those other articles there. At the moment, all I've got is the Twitter. Yeah, I uh, threw them in the chat because I didn't get them in time for the meeting. Okay. Such is life. No, that's all good. The DJ um, can fix that later. Yeah. No, it's looking, looking good. I'm looking at the... Um, Twitter feed that you got here for us from J- Jason Schreier. I assume that's how you pronounce it. Yeah, that's, that's how you pronounce it. Yeah, yep. The the DJ here is our wonderful pronunciation coach. Um. Yes, and his excellent pronunciation of Danny Trejo. <laughs> but yeah, like I'm loving the fact that like Jason's giving like giving all of this like a, a good bit of a shout out and. Saying, oh yeah, we've got some good things here. He's in favour of breaking up um, Steam's monopoly and all this, and trying to get a bit more stability for developers. And someone who's been had their picture and their name redacted on CIA level stuff, <laughs> going in and abusing, going gamers do whatever they want, especially if they don't want to use a Chinese personal data collector. Like seriously, like can we get someone that's more? I'm, I'm I'm sorry, I'm going to upset someone here, I'm sure, but inbred and redneck. Like, this guy's got to be related to the President of the United States. Like, oh, seriously, God. that's... that's This is as dumb as Donald Trump's 
assertion during the week about the shootings being related to game games violence. Like seriously, like can people just pull their head out of whatever orifice they've got it stuck in and act like a human being for a change? No, we can't manage that. No, it's, it, it it won't happen. They they're too spineless to do it. I know you got to be pretty spineless to sh- get your head into the orifice that some of these people get it into. I'm sure because the spine doesn't bend that way. Uh, uh, what's amazing um, on back to the topic though, what's amazing is how they don't really rely on outside um, funding like Patre- like Patreon for example or Kickstarter. Well, that's the other thing. A lot of um games that were kickstarted have ended up on FNAL and um, Epic has offered to fund any kickstarter refunds that occur for games that are exclusive. Wasn't there one you were saying about the other day where after all the abuse that he copped he just he just turned around and threw the towel in and said no screw it all and walked away? Yeah he's taken down the, um, the video now but it was the developer of the game, a Police 1013, and he'd held a Kickstarter and developed for a while, but was so overwhelmed by the negative treatment from obviously a small sector of the gaming community, but big enough to have serious effects, and it was feeding into his um, pre-existing mental issues that he just decided he couldn't take it and he had to cancel the game. Well, yeah, like, just can't, yeah, I'm, I'm sick and tired of a lot of this just being negative for the sake of being negative and keyboard tough guys or keyboard cowboys, I'm not sure there's different terms I've heard used for them. People need to just try and treat each other as, as another person, treat them the way they want to be treated instead of all this constant dribble. I'm sorry. That's my rant for the week. <laughs> wow. I'm sure I'll come up with another one tomorrow. Be nice to each other or Buck will find you and you're not going to like it. I, I don't know. Actually, I, I honestly don't think I could be bothered. Like, Because most of them are such gutless wonders that they wouldn't have the nerve to see your face. They've got to be hidden behind a keyboard. Hmm. And a- I'm not worried about those sorts of videos because the simple fact is all you got to do is just switch them to mute and boot them. Yeah, but that, it's pretty hard, though. I mean, like, let's say, like, look at what happened recently with uh, Glumberland and the game Gooblets. And when they moved to Epic Games, when when the Gooblets went to Epic Game Store, oh, Ooblets, I mean, when Ooblets went to Epic Game Store, people were people were like really mad. Well, yeah, but we've also got the Chinese who turned around and shut down games, it was at PUBG and so forth, because of the toxic nature of the community. Oh, the um. There's a game that actually got completely shut down by China because it included a reference to um, Xi Jinping as Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> well, so like the the methods are out there where they're supposed to have moderators watching all this sort of stuff, and if you're doing it, you you get muted or booted. It's not hard to do, and it's just yeah, they just got to turn around and makers. The people have to behave as as a human being towards each other. But um, what do you reckon the, the age of crowdfunding games? Do you reckon that's a, that's a new, that's a new pa- um, paradigm in a sense? Well, it's, it's not exactly going. new. Like Kickstarter has been around since, what, 2011, 2012? And it's not going to end any time soon, hopefully. Otherwise, um, the, um, Star, the, the Starcon 
whatever it is, citizen ripoff. The citizen, citizen ripoff <laughs> is um, going to be out of money because, after all, they've, they've, they've got to steal money from somewhere. But yeah, um, so what's your proposal as a solution, Professor, for the um, stress of funding? Any other than Epic, is there anything else out there that we can look at? Well, if you live in Queensland, um, I don't have a link in the show notes, but I will get one there for you. The Screen Queensland is having a funding round at the moment applied for as a game developer. And they've been pretty good about it um, in the past. So if you're in that field and you don't know about it already, it's been posted on the uh, Brisbane Independent Game Developer Association page. And... um, yeah, it's worth giving it a go. Just see if you get funded, and not awesome. get po- and not get poached by Epic. Well, if Epic's actually looking after the developers, like I'm, I'm not actually going to be against them for that. Yeah, but... it's just a shame there's all the other controversy about it. But this uh, Screen Queensland program is one hundred and eighty six thousand six hundred and thirty six dollars in funding for five Queensland games. From this is last year's article, DJ. Yeah, but this is for 2018 to 2019 game development program. Yeah, and yeah. they've just started their new round of funding, which will be 2019 to 2020. Yeah, but anyway, this one um, for last year they funded an unannounced title, unpacking lanterns, fledgling heroes, and lifeboat Earth. And I know the developers of some of these, but um. I'm not sure any of them have actually come out yet, but the people I know, I'm sure that the funding has helped them helped them a lot. Mm-hmm. Here we go. We got an updated one. I think I've got an updated one. You got an updated one. That's good. Yes, that's the correct one, DJ. But um, yeah. All right. Well, yeah, something to look at, folks. There, there there's opportunities out there for you to look at. Um, moving along, the next topic we have up is from the DJ, and it's a Picard prequel comics. I've just noticed this still isn't the right one, DJ. Really? This one closed in February. Just let me do it. I'll get back to you later with the link. (laughs) All right. All right. So while while you're sorting that out, I'm going to get a cup of very hot. Get me one too, Bucky. Get me one too. Hey, I'm the captain. Get your own. You should be getting it for me. <laughs> so, um, fresh off from the announcement that there will be a star, there'll be a spin-off series called Star Trek Picard. The plot will be basically pick, um, saying picking up a few years after the events of Star Trek: The Next Generation and various movie outings of the crew. It finds Patrick Stewart's John Luke Picard retired from Starfleet and spending and spending time on his family vineyard. But called back to adventure by the danger by a dangerous new mystery, and then a couple of months later on San Diego Comic Con, the trailer came out and it featured footage from former Next Gen super co-star Brett Spiner and Star Trek Voyager star Jerry Ryan reprising her role as Seven O Nine. It also announced the that Jonathan Frakes and Marina. C- would be reprising their roles as William T. Riker and Deanna Troy. And and as the trailer came out, we've now discovered that there'll be a prequel comic and a prequel novel. 
So the prequel comic, which would be called Star Trek Picard Countdown, which is an IDW publishing, would be a three-issue series written by Mike Johnson and Picard co-writer Kirsten Bayer, focusing on the next on the single mission that changed the character's life forever. And that's be running from November to January next year. And you've got the prequel novel, which will be called The Last Best Hope, which leads to, directly to the new show and introducing some of the other characters. I'm kind of disappointed it's not about the vineyard. <laughs> I was getting all excited that, like, that they're saying that a prequel for Picard. Like, I was expe- I was hoping like we'd get the the young Picard as as a child running around on the vineyard and growing up and becoming a man, going off to the academy and becoming the brilliant captain that he was. Like, there's so much they could have done. We could have had Picard with hair. <laughs> <laughs> The person who's written, uh, who's writing the uh, prequel novel, by the way, Una McCormack, she is um, famous for numerous tie-ins b- uh, based on the science fiction series Star Trek and Doctor Who. Awesome. So that'll be that'll be fun to read. That'll be fun to read. She's written four Doctor Who novels um, from the new series adventures range by the BBC Books: um, The King's Dragon, The Way to the Woods, Royal Blood, and Molten Heart. Okay. So, so it looks like it's in good hands. Well, fingers crossed. <laughs> but that's interesting, though, how some of the some of these characters coming back after so long being absent from the Star Trek universe. Like uh, I was reading an article the other day where uh, Jerry Ryan, who plays Seven and Nine, she found it very difficult to play Seven of Nine, Seven of Nine, especially getting the voice down. <laughs> yes. Um. Is she still going to be wearing the same outfit? Unfortunately, no. The trailer and the trailer showed a different version of Seven and Nine. Like they didn't have the whole put slick back hair. They had the the, eye, the iconic eyepiece and all, but yeah. No, I'm just more interested in the um <laughs> the, the costume. <laughs> the, 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 the 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 costume. <laughs> I, I know there was there's lots of um people around the world who were watching that back in the day, and just yeah, as soon as she came on the screen, it was. All smiles all around. <laughs> um, you were one of them, weren't you, Bucky? Oh, uh, I'm not going to lie. Um, yeah, I did actually enjoy watching her on there, but it was more the fact that she was a strong character. She like you get some of the characters that are thrown into some of these things, and they're thrown in as a peace offering sort of position. Whereas Seven and Nine was really well written. Like she she was balanced out really well against against characters like Picard and so forth because she had that strength as a character and so forth whereas um, who was it that played the commander? Ryder um, Wrightson was it? The commander for Voyager Yeah, was it Commander Riker? Uh, no, that was um, uh, Gen- Yeah, Voyager Janeway? was Janeway Yeah, that's right Janeway. But um, like you had some of them there that where it was yeah, like the the commander that was the XO for Picard, just he was such such a weak character that they could have done so much more with. Like they were trying to make a new Spock against the captain, but he just didn't quite get there. So yeah. In the in in the new Picard series, I've I've also gathered that this will be also be set after Star Trek Nemesis. So we're gonna get the not the good data, but the okay data. If you seen the if you guys have seen the movie. Okay, so is there anything special we need to look out for with this? 
I reckon we'll be seeing a lot of like um, Easter eggs with Easter eggs all throughout the series. Um, the co- the comics, as I said, they'll be running from November to January. It'll be three issues, so it'll be interesting to see what what um, what sort of mysteries that that'll be solved in Picard's life that we that we will know. Uh, well, hopefully, we'll get to see when he first drank his Earl Grey. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But move, moving along again, before you get chased out by security, <laughs> um, there's actually been a bit of um, kickback against e-scooters because a lot of people are saying, oh, they're, they're the green option for transport for getting around and all this sort of stuff. But um, there, there's a study from North Carolina State University that finds it's actually not quite that simple. And in fact... Shared e-scooters may not be greener than most cars. In fact, they're less green than at least several other options. So I'm sure there's going to be a few people out there that are going to be sitting down and hopefully their yoga mat will cushion the blow of them falling <laughs> onto their brain. Um, but yeah, like there's issues such as the method of charging. Um, what What's the... A lot of the electricity still being used by... The, the people is being generated by coal burning power stations, etc. But um, one of the interesting facts is the statistics that the researchers come out with that um, 49% of riders would have biked a walk, 34% would have used a car, 11% would have taken a bus, and 7% just wouldn't have taken the trip. So, and that was similar to results that were taken. They were found by the um, city of Portland in relation to e-scooters. So, so, yeah, th- so the next walk qu- or take a bus is actually apparently the better option. Yeah, well, when you're using e-scooters, you're risking your life in the sense where you you might either fall and land your head on the concrete pylon, or well, you- well that, that's why lime scooters and you're supposed to legally wear helmets in Australia, <laughs> and you can. Trip over walking down the street and bump your head on a concrete pylon. People have survived falling out of an aircraft, like cruising altitude, fallen out, survived, no parachute or anything. And people have died tripping over a crack in the concrete. Actually, here we go. I got a scientific study proposal. Let's test what sort of impacts people can survive by putting the DJ through a series of scenarios. Why me? Okay, <laughs> but the problem is, like, how do we know the first impact? Because over time, his skull will fracture and become brittle from subsequent impacts. So we need to clone the DJ and create a small army. Okay, no, 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 no. Hang, hang on, you hang on. You can cloning the DJ. That just ended that idea. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Why me? Why don't we? Why don't we put you? Th- we put you two through the te- through the crashing tests. Because someone needs to write down the results. Yeah. Really? And you're, the, <laughs> and you're the crash test dummy. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, I, I'm going to buy that spin, huh? Well, pretty sure you were. You bought lots of other stuff on this. <laughs> but uh, that's interesting, though, like how people are saying that e-scooter, when, when e-scooters came out, people were saying, oh, this will be the next environmentally friendly thing. This will help out the environment and stuff. Now when you get this revelation, it's it just kind of... Well, they they can be. It's like... Being like it's just they've got to create the charge points. Like there's solar power charging that's they can set up, and 
the stuff. But see, a lot of them, you get them where they um, redistribute the scooters using a car. Yeah. So they got they got the guy the guy in the car driving around and parking in places, and therefore that's creating a bit of a traffic congestion. Plus, there's the um, added exhaust fumes affecting the climate. And here's one thing that people don't take into consideration with this. The actual manufacturer of the scooters and the batteries and all the system, the byproducts from some of that is actually pretty toxic. Uh, so like the um, nickel-lithium ion batteries and all that for the recharging batteries are pretty toxic to produce and have some pretty toxic materials in them. And then when you get the scooters, the pretty colours that some of them get, depending on how it's painted, some of that is absolutely disastrous if it's if it's leaked into the environment and it's got to be stored away in special bunkers similar to um, nuclear waste because the chemicals will literally te- make your skin melt off sort of stuff. Make so, you glow the at least we're not using lead paint anymore. Hmm. No, the lead, lead paint was actually probably more environmentally friendly than some of this stuff. Also, there's a correlation between lead paint and crime. Lead paint and crime. Yeah, so um, if you look at the crime statistics since the year they banned lead paint, it's been on a downward trend since then. Yeah, but is that a a causative correlation or is it just we got smart enough to realise that lead paint was bad for you and at the same time policing started employing smarter methods of crime solving, i.e. Yeah. things such as fingerprint analysis, etc. I'm inclined to think it's a bit of both because um, lead exposure is known for causing, um, well, for lowering the average IQ of a region. And uh, criminals statistically have lower IQs, I think. I think it's the uh, theory that they go with for this. I yeah. read it up on it. But see, you've still got people out there doing things to lower their IQs. So, like the latest one is the the Rexona sniffing, where they're spraying Rexona into the cap or whatever and sniffing that. God, that's a thing. So the oh yeah, it's gotten to the point where um, Rexona and some of the other deodorants are now you have to ask for them at the counter. You can't. It's not just available on the shelf. In, Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Certain shops wow. in the cities and so forth, because yeah. kids were just going in and stealing it. So it used to be chromy, now it's rexoning. At least they smell better. <laughs> uh, no, having been to a, a high school, I can tell you that large amounts of deodorant in a confined space do not smell better. Yeah, but well, you got to compare. Is not a shower. Yeah, but you got to compare that to the alternative, which was spray paint. Yeah. Or glue. Well, no, well. Um, chroming, which is what they used to use, like, which is the spray paint. They would spray that into Coke bottles and sniff it to get Oh, high. yeah. 
that's actually more toxic than glue. So the have chemicals on seen, that are more pungent. Have you ever seen a mugshot of someone who's been brought in for chroming? Um, uh, I can do you one better. I've actually been there. Oh, well. Had yeah, a, just no. like the uh, the war boys from Mad Max. Oh, no, 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 no. Some of even worse. In real life, they, they look just, yeah, you you wonder what's going wrong. Um, But back to the topic about um, these scooters. So could you say that we might see, you know how we had the whole bike graveyards? You reckon we'll be, we'll be seeing e-scooter graveyards in the near future? Have you seen the Brisbane River? <laughs> so people, people have actually been throwing lime scooters into waterways and so forth, which is kind of stupid. But um, no, I reckon e-scooters are probably going to be here to stay. They've just got to improve the operation and so forth. Oh, there's the new one that's coming on the market in Brisbane. I forgot their name, but they've got a larger wheel on them, so and a bigger deck. So they're they're actually starting to become more of a realistic option for a larger percentage of a population rather than just a small footprint. So yeah, like electronic powered devices such as e-scooters and electronic car- electric powered cars are the way of the future because fossil fuels. There's a there is a finite supply and we've got to start developing alternatives. And while there are some pollution issues, it's a matter of they've just got to make sure they've got the protection for the manufacturing processes and start looking into developing better electric generation, such as solar power, wind power, tidal flow. But that's just me. And then get get the people who are, re, who are distributing these um, scooters around the place. Like I saw one bloke for Lime Scooters who was actually riding one of their scooters to drag a little trailer where he had all the others lined up on it to get them around the place. I've seen a guy who does one better, and he stacks them up, like, riding six scooters, like, all balanced on top of the one scooter he was riding. Yeah. Well, the one with the trailer had, um, I can't, I didn't count how many he had on there, but he had a, had a stack of them on there, and he was riding around and redistributing them around. I thought, that's a that's a clever idea because he's less likely to crash. Because I've seen the guys stacking them up, yeah. as well, but I figured the trailer was just a bit of a safer option. So, but yeah, like there's people out there that are trying to do the right thing. So, yeah, we just got to be aware that there are some issues there. It's not hundred percent perfect. But can we talk about the environmental impact of having to replace all of the bloody helmets that get stolen? Well, yes, there's. There must be a market out there somewhere where people are wearing lime scooter helmets. I saw oh, a guy the, the, on the train the other day during peak hour with a um, a bike and a lime helmet. Because it, it, they're such a, a sexy looking helmet as well. Absolutely. You're going to pull all the chicks with them. There you I go, DJ. The prof- now we know what you're doing wrong. <laughs> I think the professor's jealous because uh, he doesn't have a helmet. He has a Cooper hat. Yeah, but... He also has a girlfriend, <laughs> and she likes my hat. There's there's more more chicks who dig the Akubra than dig the helmet. We'll we'll send you to the um, Gimpy Ute Muster one year. <laughs> he couldn't cope with that. That would be too country for him. He might get in trouble in many many ways. But moving along, um, what game have you been playing, Professor? I have unfortunately not had time to play anything. <sighs> What? I know. I'm letting the team down. 
Oh, this a this shame. Kind of, oh no, a shame, shame, shame. Hey, you settled down. I was really busy the last week. I was playing the They Are Billions campaign, and I'm a bit stuck on it at the moment. They are sure billions. Where to go from here? I uh, might have to restart and try a different tech tree. Okay. So where are you stuck? Can we put our collective brain processes together to help you, or is it... Yeah, well, it's a level where um, I need to mine a whole bunch of gold and not get eaten by all of the millions of zombies. Okay. Um, Are you able to put up remote operated turrets that will shoot the zombies for you? Unfortunately not, because I haven't unlocked that tech yet. Ah, what about fences? I do have fences, but then the uh, the billions of zombies come and pull them down. Can you electrify the fence? I have planning approval. Can you you electrify the fence? Nope. Okay. So I'm thinking I need to go back and try a a different tech tree and uh, see if I can figure it out. Yeah, get the remote operated turrets so they can provide cover fire for you. Yes, that would be really nice to have. Um, no, the DJ has left the building. so He's run away. He doesn't want to admit that he hasn't been playing games. Well, he's told us he's played a game. Well, wait, if he comes back, he can tell us. Okay. I, on the other hand, have been playing Company of Heroes 2, which is the Russian campaign at the moment. And that's actually, yeah, quite interesting. Um is you have um, the different missions you go through, and it's they've got the order, I can't remember, was it two, two, 282 or something, where there was no retreat, and if you tried to retreat, you would be shot. So, yeah, it's just pushing pushing ahead and trying to take the points from the Germans. And, yeah, unfortunately, one of the missions I had to do was in the middle of winter just outside Stalingrad. So I, was, um, I actually lost three companies before I managed to make any headway, because of the simple fact that they were freezing to death. Uh, were you playing as the Russians there? Yeah. So It's just like a training exercise for them. Well, yeah. Like, you start off with two, two, two little squads, and you're moving down towards the first fire, and one of them froze before I managed to make it to the first fire. And then um, you have to blow up the um, German tanks. So as I blew one up, unfortunately, it also blew up the hut next to it that had the engineers who had just placed the bomb and the, one of the squads of soldiers that had survived the first initial freeze. So I was left with um, one squad of engineers and two sets of snipers to try and take over a German base. But strangely enough, the snipers are actually quite good at taking out the Germans. So I set them up in good positions with cover and just sniped away and slowly killed the Germans. So, sorry to the German listeners. Um, I'm not hating on you guys. It was, it was it was part of the target of the game. Um, so moving along to shout-outs, we have on the 5th of August in 1914 in Cleveland, Ohio, traffic was ruined by those stinking yanks by the implementation of the first electric traffic light being installed. And they still can't figure out the roundabouts. Yeah. So many so many things are attributed back to the Americans. They say it may well the world better. Yeah, I think they were the first country to report a traffic jam, weren't they? Um also on the fifth of August in but in nineteen sixty six, the Beatles re- 
released the single Yellow Submarine with Eleanor Rigby in the UK. And that was an awesome, awesome song and movie. Um, on the 5th of August in 1936, American athlete Jesse Owens wins 200 metres in world record times, and also which was 20.7, and also his third gold medal at the Berlin Olympics. And I have to say here that apparently Adolf Hitler was a fan of Jesse Owens because he was such an amazing athlete. So, yes, that's all we're going to say on that one because otherwise I'll get in trouble, I'm sure. I'll probably get in trouble anyway. But on the 5th of August 2010, Copiapo mining accident, also known as the Chile mining accident, began with a cave-in at the San Jose Copper Gold Mine located in the Atacama Desert, 40 kilometers north of the regional capital of Capiapo in northern Chile. 33 men were trapped 700 meters underground and kilometers from the mine's entrance via spiraling ramps. They were rescued after 69 days. And I remember that when this was on the news, like they managed to get a, a small pod down there to get them a phone and transfer food and water to them and yeah at one point they, they were singing songs yeah they had a uh, song leader and uh check out the wikipedia page on the rescue pod they had mm. and uh, strangely enough it worked really well even without uh what's his name from tesla elon musk, elon musk. so yeah Moving along, before I get sued by Elon Musk, because that's one of the things he likes to do. On the 4th and 5th of August, 1962, uh, Marilyn Monroe, American actress, model, singer, bombshell, sex symbol, yeah, famous for playing comic blonde bombshell characters, became one of the most popular sex symbols in the 1950s and 60s, and was emblematic of the era's changing attitudes towards sexuality. Um, although she was only top billed as an actress for a decade, her films grossed over $200 million, which is equivalent to $2 billion in t- 2018. And more than half a century later, she continues to be a major pop culture icon. Um, she, yeah, unfortunately, she died of an overdose of barbiturates at the age of 36 in Los Angeles and I actually heard on the radio that they're still discussing whether or not it was an accident or she was murdered by the CIA. For sleeping with JFK? Well, not so much for sleeping with him, but they believe. Uh, the latest was that they believed that she had information about someone in the CIA being involved with the shooter on the hill. So, yeah, she was a loose end that had to be tied up. But yes, all unconfirmed and conspiracy theory sort of stuff. So um, shout out to the the guys from the conspiracy theory team. On the 4th of August, 2019, Stu Rosen, American voice actor and director, died um, from cancer at the age of 80 in Los Alamitos, California. Um, He is known for such iconic television programs where he's voiced and directed such as Fraggle Rock, which if you don't know Fraggle Rock, I'm sorry, but I don't know if we can be friends. Um, The first episodes of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Biker Mice from Mars, and 
many, 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 many more. Other shows include Batman, the, X- the animated series, X-Men, Spider-Man, Superman. So he dabbled with Marvel but decided DC was more fun. There you go, folks. We've solved another mystery. Um, on the 5th of August, 2000, um, Alec Guinness, English actor, uh, unfortunately died from liver cancer at the age of 86 in Midhurst, Wessex, Sus- or West Sussex, I should say, sorry. Um, he's known for his collaborations with David Lean, um, Herbert Pocket and Great Expectations. He played Fagan in Oliver Twist, Colonel Nicholson in The Bridge on the River Kwai, um, Prince Faisal in Lawrence of Arabia, and General Yevgav in oh, Yevgav Shivago in Dr. Shivago. Yeah, we turn up the DJ. How are we going to know how to pronounce things? Yes. So it's Yevgraf Zhivago in Dr. Shivago. Now I got my false teeth back in at my extremely old age, as the professor likes to tell me occasionally. Um, he also played Dr. Godbol in A Passage to India. He also played Obi-Wan Kenobi in the original Star Wars trilogy. So, yeah, absolutely amazing legend who definitely is missed he actually i don't know if you ever heard any of the interviews he was in where he had a really really dry wicked sense of humor very typically english was the understated yeah i can't say i've seen him in any interviews okay um moving on to birthdays we have 5th of august 1862 joseph merrick while who was an Englishman with severe deformities. Should we leave it at that or should we continue? You can continue if you want. Okay. He was first exhibited at a freak show as the and then went to live at the London Hospital after he met Frederick Treves, who subsequently became becoming known, well known in London society. Um, he was born in Leicester. 5th of August, 1930. Um, do you want to do the fanfare there, Professor? Okay, Neil Armstrong, American astronaut and astronautical engineer. Um, the man who said the line, one small step for a man, but a giant leap for mankind, when he first stepped foot on the moon. So, yes, one of the, one of the um, posters the professor's got on his bedroom wall that he looks at admiringly. I do not. You don't? No, I don't have any posters on my bedroom wall at the moment. Ah, okay. But you would you would have a poster of him there if you had any posters, wouldn't you? If I had a poster of Neil Armstrong, then I would have it on my wall. Okay, I can go with that. I'm surprised you haven't got posters on him. Um, on the 5th of August, 1889, Conrad Aiken, American writer, whose works include um, poetry and short stories, novels, a play and an autobiography. Um, Aiken wrote or edited, edited more than 51 books, the first of which was published in 1914, two years after his graduation from Harvard. Um, yeah, he's also uh, the what was the prize he won? DJ left out the one part that I wanted him to make sure he got in there. Thanks a lot, DJ. Um, uh, the poetry consultant of the Library of Congress. No, not Pulitzer. He won the Pulitzer Prize for poetry. It was 
Yes, in 1934, selected poems. Yes. Um, I've actually read some of his poetry, and yeah, we've got to, got to try and encourage people to read poetry because it's becoming an overlooked part of the soul of our, our society. Uh, because of our lack of poetry, we're ending, ending up with um, people swallowing pi- Tide Pods, whatnot. So, waiting for the get off my lawn moment. Well, yeah, you just look at some of the stupid people out there. If they were intelligent enough to read poetry, they'd probably be thinking, you know, I could swallow a, a laundry detergent and it's not going to kill me. <laughs> yes. Anyway, um, fifth events of interest on the 5th of 1888. Bertha Benz was the first person to drive an automobile over a long distance, rigorously field testing the patent Motorwagen inventing um, brake pads and solving several engineering issues during the 65-mile trip. You don't like the fact that she actually had time on that 65-mile trip where she could actually invent brake pads and solve the engineering issues. Yeah. She, um, yeah, she was having trouble with the brakes, so she got a cobbler to put some leather on them and invented brake pads. So, yep, the, um, the trip occurred in early August. 1888, um, as the entrepreneurial lady took her sons, Eugene and Richard, 15 and 14 years old, respectively, on a ride from Mannheim through Heidelberg and Weischlock to her maternal home in Forschein. I'm sorry if I've butchered the pronunciation there. Once again, we haven't got the DJ to correct me. Um, as well as being the driver, Ben's acted as mechanic on the drive cleaning the carburetor with her hat pin and using a garter to insulate wire. Such racy, wanton behaviour. <laughs> and for those who are interested, it was a three-wheel automobile, apparently. And yes, it looks like a lot of fun to drive. Yeah, like I, I'd love to be able to take one of these out for a, a spin. Um the fact well, you're that probably it probably not going up in a weekend with a welder. Yeah, would it be of the same quality though? Because that was that was built by Benz, and she invented brake pads True. while driving it. Plus, she's German. It's got to be better than what I can make. Fifth um, of August, nineteen twenty-six. Harry Houdini performs his great feat, suspending ninety, spending ninety-one minutes underwater in a sealed tank before escaping. Maybe he had a book to, he wanted to read while he was there. That's the reason why it took 91 minutes. Yeah. Yeah, just fuck her up and leave me alone. I'm going to go sit in the, in the tank. Yeah, we know what he wasn't wasn't reading Superman or Batman because it was 1926 or for their time. Maybe he was reading The Phantom or something, or um, Dick Tracy. Um, 5th of August, 1930. S.A. Andres' balloon polar expedition of 1897 was aimed to cross the North Pole in 43 hours in a hydrogen balloon, then journey on to land thanks to the financial support of the Swedish king Oscar II and Alfred Nobel. Unfortunately, Andres' balloon lost much of its steering capabilities just after launch when a number of drag ropes fell from the craft and ballast sand which was thrown overboard. The remaining ropes could be seen trailing in the water till the balloon vanished out of sight. And that was the last 
anyone heard or saw of the trio for more than 30 years. The discovery came on the 5th of August 1930 when the Norwegian Bratvag expedition found remains on White Island on the Svalbard archipelago of a headless body disturbed by polar bears propped up against a rock. Further investigations by a journalist revealed the bodies of both his companions and diaries detailing much of their ordeal. A camera was found and 93 eerie negatives were developed of their tragic journey. The remains of the expedition were home to Stockholm to a grand procession where they were fated as national heroes. So they did have a happy ending, but at least they were looked after. Yeah, it's a shame they never made it. That would have been a really going down in history. Yes. And that looks like it's that's it for another episode. So um, we still don't know what game the DJ was playing. Well, we know. Is but... he alive? Is he dead? Who knows? Will he be back? Um, where can the good folks find us and contact us, Professor? Uh, Twitter at nAmalgamated. Email at nerds.amalgamated at gmail.com. Our Facebook page, as usual. Um, the That's Not Canon website. Or on Stitcher, Spotify, and iTunes. Or any of the other major podcast sites. Awesome. And... Who, what's the name of our podcast affiliates that deal with um, conspiracy theories? That's Elvis Lives. That's Elvis Lives. So there you go, folks. Um, yes, other than them, go check them out. Tell them we said hi. Um, that's it for another week. So take care. Look out for each other. Stay safe and stay hydrated. And we'll see you next week. Hooroo. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.